I'm always looking for screen-free options to entertain my kids, especially my oldest when we have long car rides or things like that. And something that I really love using with him are podcasts. And there's a really cute new podcast called Mysteries About True Histories, which uh, the acronym is MATH, M-A-T-H. And it's from the creators of the hit podcast, Who Smarted? And Netflix Brainchild. And it's all about the adventurous world of mysteries about true histories. And it follows these two characters, Max and Molly, who have just been recruited into a secret order of problem solvers. And they're on adventures through time, packed with puzzles, hidden equations, history. And it's really funny, which makes learning kind of cool. And it's perfect for ages six and up. So new episodes drop every Thursday, each stacked with so much laughter your kids won't even realize how much they're actually learning and my oldest is about six and a half and he loves stuff like this so it's a great new podcast to introduce to your kids the episodes are really short like 15 to 20 minutes so tune in to mysteries about true histories with your older kids you can follow and listen on apple podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts today's episode of no one told us is brought to you by once upon a farm Get started with Once Upon a Farm Organics today and enjoy an additional 40% off your first order. It's a subscription or one-time purchase, and you can just use code no one told us 40 at onceuponafarmorganics.com. That's onceuponafarmorganics.com. Welcome to No One Told Us, the podcast that tells the truth about parenting and talks about all the stuff you wish you knew before having kids. I'm your host, Rachel Shepard Ota, and today I am joined by Katie Marston. Katie is the Chief Marketing Officer for Once Upon a Farm, a fresh foodery dedicated to providing clean, nutritious, and delicious baby food. It's some of my baby's favorite stuff, and kids' snacks, which help parents to kick off a lifetime of healthy eating. Katie's love of health-conscious brands began during her earliest years at Adidas, and she's also done marketing and branding for Brew Doctor Kombucha and Kendra Scott. Katie is a lover of creativity, laughter, and a good challenge, and she currently lives in Portland with her husband, Brad, and their two kids, and we were just talking before recording, so your kids are seven and nine, you said? They're seven and nine, 15 months apart. I feel like I'm, you know, seeing the daylight at this point in time. (laughs) I was going to ask you, um, when does it get easier? (laughs) I, I, Rachel, one, like... I would have loved one for once upon a farm when my kids were, you know, babies and I selfishly, the kids snacks, you know, I have a hand in because it's perfect for my kids now, but also your podcast, like would Mm. have saved me so much anxiety. We moved our whole family to Austin to start the Kendra Scott role when my daughter was six months old. And we found out we were pregnant the first week we moved in a temporary apartment housing where my dog and my daughter were sharing the closet for sleeping. (laughs) So, okay. So the two under two thing was not something you were trying for necessarily. No, no. I I people people want that close age gap and all the power to them because that sounds very intense and hard. It's, it's amazing now and they're lovely, wonderful playdates for each other. But as you're saying, like, I really think I had like the aha moment at four and five. Like, it's mm. just, it's hard navigating work. And, and the two reasons I love this is sleep and eating are two of the biggest challenges parents of young kids face. Yeah. And that time was tough for me. And I look back and I'm just like, pat myself on the back and friends that do that because it's not easy. 
Truly. And you were working at pretty big companies this whole time too. So tell us a little bit about how you got started with Once Upon a Farm or what led you to want to work in kids and baby food. Yeah. I mean, I I have such a, a random background of always, I mean, all of them have been brands of purpose, but, you know, starting really in, in sports, I managed professional athletes for a while you know, then went into jewelry with Kendra Scott uh, before really being interested in the the food business with and beverage with Brew Doctor, and it was there that I met John Foraker. You know, formerly of Annie's fame, he was you know the CEO at, at Annie's that helped to rise and really such a leader in organic food. And got a chance to talk to Jennifer Garner, who's one of our co-founders, and Cassandra Curtis, the chief innovation officer, who really started this all. And in talking to them, they were looking for a CMO. And I was actually put in touch with them to help them know what to look for. And I can tell you, within the first 45 minutes of talking to John, I was sitting in a Fred Meyer Kroger parking lot. We ended that call being like, do you do you, are you interested? And I was sitting there being like, do you, are you open to this conversation for me being interested? And from there, I have not looked back and it's been the single best decision. I feel like we are making a real impact and that's just feel good as a parent. Of course. And to be able to provide things that you want for your own kids or that you wish you had, like that is the dream. Right. I mean, same, same as what you're doing now with your audience with regard to sleep and a whole host of other topics that you're covering. This is selfish for me. Like yeah. I, I, <laughs> I want lunchbox packing easier. I want, you know, to, I wish I would have had different options for the feeding journey from first bites and having it be you know, clean product were, were clean project label awarded and, and knowing a short ingredient list and feeling good about that. Like, I wish I had those options as a working mom. I was steaming, mashing, like putting it in ice cube trays. Like I would have given anything for a break at that oh time. Oh my gosh, of course. Yeah. Cause I mean, we're all trying to do our best and feed our kids the best that we can, but it is time consuming to, source good ingredients and to learn about what ingredients are healthy for babies. And then all of the meal prep and cooking, like you said, the shopping, like all of it, it's it's like a full-time job. It takes such a long time. And I think that's why brands like yours are so needed because parents need something that's easy that they can also feel good about. And I think I look back to like what my mom probably fed me in the eighties and nineties. It was just it was very different. It was a very different um, very landscape. Different. Very different. And, uh, you know, I was just talking um, to a colleague in the industry the other day about the toughest thing I think to navigate now is we have so many experts yeah. and, and such a level of perfection put upon us mm-hmm. while got, adding more to our plates, I think, as moms in particular, dads too, right? Dads have taken on so much more of an active parenting role than they did when their fathers were were there. But you then feel like there's no perfect feeding journey. There right. isn't. And it's going to work individually for everyone. And there's different options out there for you to explore. And I think that is probably one of those stressors that 
we especially try to take away, I know you are, which is do what feels right for you. Like seek out those options, but there's not one more perfect way to do this. And your kid is going to turn out great no matter what. Yeah. And I think that's one of those common misconceptions with early parenting is that there is a right way and a wrong way, or there's a good versus a bad. And that's just not true. There's so many different ways to be a good parent and feeding is just one component of those. What do you think is, is another big misconception about infant feeding or starting solids or just nutrition for little kids in, in general? The, the biggest one is kind of what I said, that there's one right way to do it to create mm-hmm. the most perfect outcome for your child to be a healthy eater. I, you know, I would say, make sure that there's fun sensory element. If your kid wants to play with the food, you know, even as they get slightly older, it's so important from the feeling and this in the hands and also the sensory in the mouth to have a love for fresh variety is really key. I think one of the biggest questions we get asked is it's of course easier for especially a baby to like something sweet. And I think that's where we've gone down a path, you know, as society with, with added sugar, if we end up touching on that, but for vegetables or maybe even ingredients that have different textures to them, foods that have different textures to them, they might spit it out right away. It actually takes 10 times for acceptance of a new food. So don't be scared if there's a gag reflex. Don't be scared if there's like a funny face. That's just your child figuring it out and keep the introduction because it's actually the variety at an early age that creates a strong microbiome. And that's, um, we've been working with Dr. Dev Koda who who heads the Microbiome Institute at uh, Cedar sinai And it's actually a strong microbiome that's for kids like from starting solids to age 11 that provides a hearty immune support and anti-inflammatory properties. So you'll hear that, I think, more and more. And in today's, you know, we were dealing with COVID, we're now dealing with RSV, really knowing that variety of foods helps to increase a likelihood of a strong microbiome, a strong immune system is one of those easy things that you can do from, you know, from first bites. Definitely. And I think parents are scared to do that because the old advice was always like, oh, only introduce one new food every few days. And so parents feel like they have to go super slowly with each new food. And um, we know now that that's not so true. But those types of pieces of advice take a long time to kind of go away. <laughs> they definitely do. And if you have strong in-laws, yeah. views, or an older pediatrician, for instance, mm-hmm. like you can get that anxiety that I was talking about. And that's where it's not. There's a lot of misconceptions out there. And it is, you know, your child the best. We offer like single ingredient blends for the very reason for parents that want to start slow. But at the same time, there are those that jump right in on multi ingredient blends. We also have plant rich meals in the frozen section that are full ingredients. So you know, chunks of sweet potato and black beans. And so that if your child wants to do self-feeding and baby led weaning, which is something that's very popular and you're comfortable trying that, 
there's that possibility for you. And it might not work for you. You might be like, nope, too scared. Don't want to do this. Yeah. Going back and like, <laughs> go for it. Try it all and see what you like and then what your baby likes. Yeah. And I think that's another misconception, right? Is that you have to choose. It's like people yes. act like, oh, are you going to do purees or be baby led weaning as if it's like a binary choice? And you can totally do both. Like my baby, yeah. we do primarily baby led weaning, but we also give her purees and pouches and things like that when we're on the go and need a quick meal option. And it's great. You can do all of it. Yeah. And it's interesting, like, as I've, you know, worked at Once Upon a Farm, and one of the things I've learned, like, my daughter was extremely sensory. My kid was not. And my daughter was our first. Charlie was our first. And pouches would have been, and they were really great for her. I did not realize they were really great for her because she was much more sensory around food. Mm -hmm. And, like, that helped us to give the variety and then lead into, you know, the types of meals that we were eating and, and complement that. And, had I known that, had I recognized it, right, it would have just been a greater level of awareness, and which was very different from my son. He was much more self-feeding, you know, from the get-go, handsy. Each child is incredibly different. And I yeah. laugh because I was so much more type A with my daughter. And I think the first, I mean, that girl did not have sugar, like everything. My son has such a healthier attitude towards food because we had more fun with it because there was more life in moderation. And it's just, it's hindsight is twenty twenty. And if that's something I could pass on, it's just enjoy this process. Like eating with your kid, introducing them to food is a real bonding moment. I know as a mom of three that getting your kids to eat healthy, good foods is really hard. And Once Upon a Farm has made it so easy. I'm all about convenience, but my kids are all about flavor and things that are delicious and fun to eat. And Once Upon a Farm makes us all happy. It's the leading baby food and kids snack brand offering organic cold pressed fruit and veggie blends. You've probably seen them in the refrigerator section of your Target stores or Wegmans. They've got immunity blend uh, and dairy-free smoothies and ready-to-cook baby meals. And now they have refrigerated oat bars, which I'm so excited to stick in my kids' lunches. They are delicious and they're no sugar added, which is the best part for me. They come in all kinds of yummy flavors and my kids really love the apple cinnamon one and the banana chocolate is really good as well. You can get started with your Once Upon a Farm and enjoy an additional 40% off your order. So this is a huge deal. You can get 40% off of your subscription or your one-time purchase. I love a subscription because it's one less thing for me to worry about. I don't have to think about restocking our snacks and pouches. Use code no one told us 40 at Once Upon a Farm Organics.com. That's Once Upon a Farm Organics.com. It should be fun and it should be a family activity. And, and I think... Yes. There are, like you said, so many experts out there and so many opinions and, and parents. I think it is a huge stressor starting solids. I hear from parents all the time who are anxious, not only about sleep, but about feeding. And they, they see me feeding my daughter and they're like, how are you not anxious about this? I just, I'm having such a hard time with it. And my heart breaks for them because food yeah. time and mealtime should be so enjoyable and watching your child try new foods can be so much fun. You did just mention sugar. So I would love to, to touch on that because that is something that I was also very type A about wanted to do everything right. Didn't want to introduce sugar till my son was two years old. This was my first. I remember we were visiting my parents and my mom and I got ice cream cones and she let my son, he was like eight months old, have a lick of her ice cream. And I lost my mind at her. Like I was so furious furious. And she was just trying to have like this sweet moment with Your her mama. grandson. And totally. you know, it, 
maybe crossed a boundary. Maybe some people say I had a right to be mad. But when I look back now, like it was not a big deal. And now I'm on my third baby. Her brother and sister were enjoying popsicles a couple weeks ago and they let her have a lick. And it was just like a fun family moment. And I was so happy that I could let go at that point and be like, this is not going to be the end of the world. But what is what do you guys say about sugar and when to introduce it or how much? Because there is a lot of kid food out there on the market, even marketed towards babies, that does have added sugar. So how do we know how much is too much or when is the right time? Yeah. And we've all, Rachel, what you were saying, I know so many people identify with. I identify with that and and look back and be like, gosh, Okay, if I could take back that moment. And at the same time, I know, as you said, there are boundaries, there are, you know, respecting someone's wishes, especially when they're first time finding that balance. But we are no added sugar, we are unsweetened, you know, real ingredient company. That being said, I think we're also very much aware and you and I immediately go to right like a cookie or an ice cream. What I look at, there's added sugar, like if you become aware of it, there is added sugar hidden in almost everything, whether it's ketchup, which kids yeah. have a ton of, yep. salad dressings, um, white bread, different types of bread, right? So there's that, how do you allow for the treat time moments? And I think one of the things that probably drives me the most insane is there's a lot of bars out there that start getting given at an early age that are glorified candy bars. Like, mm-hmm. let's be honest. Like, mm-hmm. don't try to tell me that a, something that looks like a Rice Krispie treat is better for you. With like, chocolate I'm, chips all over it and sprinkles. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. And I'm I'm sorry. Let's just call it what it is. Like, I would rather be in the kitchen. I mean, who am I kidding? I don't remember the last time I made Rice Krispie treats, but I would love to think I could be in the kitchen, <laughs> you know, with the marshmallows and doing that. And if my, my kids see that. And so for us, it was about, especially from babies who, as you said, should not have added sugar um, before two, and then really only 25 grams for children that are two and older. And that can be found in a lot of those hidden things. So being aware of labels, being aware of where added sugar comes into play. And the less you can introduce that or create this moderation, the more likely your child is to really have a love of things that taste fresh. Mm-hmm. So real ingredients, real fruits and vegetables, using spices for flavor, like they will still enjoy and should have the birthday party treats and should have the occasional popsicle, like as you're saying, or, you know, a popsicle every day should they choose. But it is about from our side, teaching a love of real food. Yeah. And that that really does start foundationally when you're young. Yeah, I think that's so important too. And that was, I think, what originally attracted me to the baby led weaning philosophy, because I really loved the idea of my kids feeding themselves and deciding how much and what they wanted to eat from their plate. And also just knowing what real food looks like and you know, having just that variety of fruits and vegetables, like my kids still absolutely love fruits and vegetables. It's funny because they still have different tastes, even though we approached food in, a, in very much the same way. I'm talking about my oldest two now, they're five and three. My oldest, his favorite food is salad. Like he's just obsessed with fresh vegetables and and loves all that stuff. My daughter is not so much into vegetables, but she loves fruits um, and she loves proteins and, and real foods. And they still get excited about a treat. But we've tried really hard to not put treats on such a huge 
pedestal and to not make them such a big deal. They're just kind of like a part of life and they're fun yeah. when we have them and they're delicious, but other food is also delicious and we don't need to yes. to call food good or bad or healthy or unhealthy or, you know, make all those judgments about food. It just kind of is what it is. Do you guys have any philosophy on, on that or how to like prevent pickiness or prevent that like obsession with certain foods or certain treats? Yeah, it, it's, it goes back to that, that variety and opportunity. Yeah. And getting excited for the moment, the sensory part, like what things smell like, what things taste like, like watermelon is just as exciting in our house as a popsicle. Oh right? my God. My kids could polish up, polish off a watermelon in one sitting. They love it. Yes. And yeah. And so exactly what you're saying. And I think that was, that was one of the biggest reasons that it was our force starting and, and having our plant rich meal line was because we saw self-feeding become such an option that real, that parents were wanting alongside all the others and, and into integrating beans into the mix for, you know, plant-based protein, um, heartier vegetables. And so that starting off in early age and giving that option to parents. And as you're saying, like not creating a treat based on something that is sugary, I think treats such a funny word. Like I love, I love sugar. Like that's my advice, not salty things. Yeah. Same others. That's just, that's mine. But it is about enjoying it when you have it. And also thinking like, you don't need to have a dinner, a, a dessert after dinner, every meal or an afternoon treat doesn't need to be something sugary, like just create that variety, mix it up. And I think the enjoyment of food will and bring your kids into the process. Like that's mm -hmm. one thing I'll always say is when you're cutting it up, when you're putting it together, if you're making guacamole, like bring them into the kitchen, have them be part of that process. And I guarantee they are so much more likely to eat it yep. if they play a role. There was that, I don't know, did you have that? I think it's called a leaning tower, learning tower. It's a crazy name for what it is. Yes. But right. You yeah, put it in learning tower, I think is what they're called. Like the learning tower, the big wood things that kids can like step up. Yes. It's like a, it's like a, a gigantic step stool that they have like walls around so that they can't fall off. <laughs> Even yes. though some, somehow my kids always manage to fall off of them. I don't really know how, but. <laughs> my son wanted to climb that thing like a jungle gym. Exactly. Off, like, exactly. You could put it in the kitchen and at the earliest age, they become counter height and can yeah. watch you and integrate. And I think mm -hmm. that's, that's one of those that at least from my side, and I know a lot of my colleagues like changed a dynamic around food and interest in all sorts of food. Yeah. Versus treats. Yeah. And I mean, we're lucky, lucky enough to live in a place that, I mean, we live in San Francisco. It's very healthy lifestyle that is glorified here. There's farmer's markets. My kids go, you know, they see where food comes from and see where it's made. But I also realize that that's a privilege, right? And it's a privilege to be able to afford yeah. really fresh food. And it's a privilege to have the time to sit there and cook with my kids and, and to show them all of that. So I know that Once Upon a Farm is so passionate about um, tackling food insecurity. So I would love to hear a bit about what you guys have to say about um, how food insecurity and, and food deserts and things like that impact kids in the U.S. Yeah. And you're right. Like 
one of the reasons is you're saying like we recognize that there are more working parents at all levels than ever before and yeah. so convenience has always been a part of what once upon once upon a farm does we Jen uh, has been working with Save the Children for uh, many, many years, I think 14 plus years now, um, if not longer. She's been on the board since 2014. And when I started and then the pandemic quickly started, the number of food insecure children jumped up 2 million. Like it was crazy. And, there's, and was there's it because there weren't kids? At- Sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. It's, I know what you're like, I think is what you're going to ask is there weren't the food options at school as much anymore. And there wasn't right as many, you know, free food opportunities or getting delivered to the home, especially in rural America. And Mm -hmm. so we, in working with save kind of were like, okay, we're a small company, but what, what can we do here? We are children's food company. We threw out the, the, the number of a million that, by 2024, early 2025, we would deliver a million meals to kids in rural America, whether that's through financial donations, our own food donations. Um, we have volunteer hours and we are on, on track to do so. And we've got ideas for how to, you know, move past that million meals mark. But from your question, I think it's, Kids cannot learn. They cannot meet their potential if they are hungry. I think we all know what what happens when we're hungry. Our brain does not function as well. We are moody. We are tired. And so SAVE recognize that because they really look at learning potential. And if they weren't addressing food, they weren't really able to maximize learning potential. Whether it's SAVE, No Kids Hungry is another one. Feeding America. Locally, we work with a lot of stocking um, community fridges. Like that's something that I've taken my kids to do here in Portland, Oregon of a community fridge that you can stock with fresh food. And that is like the first stuff to go because it's the hardest to have access to. And a lot of times fridges can be smaller or not a lot of freezer space. And so a once upon a farm, I know does that in the Bay Area quite a bit, but like we've started doing it. Our employees have, you know, where they live. And that's, that's a local option that if you're interested in that, you can feel really hands-on in your community for making a difference. I love that. I love the idea of bringing your kids to do it too. That's such a great thing to to kind of teach them from the beginning is that we're so fortunate to have these things and not everybody else yeah. does. And we need to do our part to make sure that everybody has fresh food, right? Yes. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, Jen will say like a lot of times when she's gone on home visits, sometimes that's the first time you know, uh, she'll have watched a child try a mango for the mm-hmm. first time, you know, and it might be through one of our pouches um, or food that's been donated. Like, and that's, you really do make a difference when you increase the variety of options of fresh food. And that's not, not ac- that's not accessible to everyone in the U.S. And we are also, we were the first refrigerated baby food that became part of the WIC program. So the government uh-huh. supplemental women's infants and children's program that offered, you know, once upon a farm to those that needed it. That's amazing. I love that. And yeah, I love once upon a farm. I mean, mostly because of the convenience. Also, obviously I have three kids now. I need things that are easy. Yeah, you need things. I need things that are easy, but I also love supporting brands that I can really like get behind and that are so philanthropic and that really do care 
Um, so that's so wonderful. Um, Katie, thank you so much for joining the podcast this week. I think it was so fun to hear about your own journey as a parent and about your amazing company and just giving parents kind of those words of wisdom from a seasoned mom, a mom that has seen the other side of the baby days. <laughs> the other side for sure. No. And Rachel, I wanted to like for everyone listening, but I said like sleep was probably harder for me than nutrition. And I'm so mm. appreciative of you and your voice and my favorite post of yours, which rings true to this day. So I'm just going to caution new parents out there. The what you should say, you know, when your kid falls asleep at night. Oh, and I will yeah. tell you that what I say to my children and started saying at a young age, I still do today. And they yawn instantly. Like oh, it is a connector. It is like to both of them are songs I made up for them. And then we oh. do what you say about, I love you. And we say, and then they give back more than your arms are wide. And like, it's, like you really do have these wonderful moments and insights that make a real difference on our side. So thank oh you. Oh my gosh, you make me doing. cry. That is so sweet. I love that. And I love, yeah, I mean, some people follow me that don't have little babies anymore. They've been following me for a while, but things like that, like that's what makes a childhood, right? Like those are the things yes. that your kid, your kids are going to remember that forever and they might do it with their own kids someday because they loved it so much. It's so special. I mean, I have walked away from meetings or dinners to sing to them in a hall of a, you know, hotel restroom to do this. Luckily, I work for a company where that's celebrated, parented, and our, you know, colleagues will try to film me doing it. (laughs) It does. Once you start it, it will keep going. I hope it keeps going until they get off to college. I know. Oh, my gosh. Those words. I love that. That's so sweet. Katie, the last question I have for you is something I try to remember to ask everybody. I don't always, but I would love to know, especially since you've got kiddos that are a little bit older, what is something that no one told you before you had kids that you really just wish somebody had let you in on? There's two things that stick out in my mind. One was on the sleep side, which we did sleep training. I wish that someone had said like, there are a multitude of other options Mm -hmm. that you could try out that would create a similar result. I think at that time as a working parent who went back at eight weeks, um, yeah, I felt like I didn't have options there. Yeah. The other is more one that I think we know, which is just relax. Like it's <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's harder said than done, but I really, I wasn't going to listen to my mom telling me that as much as I love her and think she's absolutely brilliant. I, I wish I had more friends that were just like, just relax. I think you're in the moment with other parents in your similar situation and you feed off of each other. 100%. And so having that kind of voice to be like, it's okay. Like you're going to eat off the ground or you're going to be fine. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be fine. And I think women are better about that now than they were nine years ago. I hope so. Yeah. And I feel the same way. I wish I could go back and tell myself to chill out, but those like, um, like mom groups are such a blessing and a curse because if you are lucky enough to have a small village of women that also have babies, like that is so wonderful. And it's so beautiful to walk through that experience together with other people who 
yes. really get it. But I also wish that moms could have like almost like a cohort of other moms with kids that are way older. <laughs> So yes. they could have yes. that perspective and be like, girl, like this is not going to matter in three years. Can you just chill out and let it go? Like you really don't need to be doing all this. I have a friend, Kate Borsato. She's a therapist. And she told me like, I promise it gets easy once your kid turns five. And she's like, I know that's not what you want to hear when you have a, a baby yes. or a toddler, but it really, it does not last forever. It really does get so much easier. And that actually... I think some people would be horrified to hear that number because it seems so far away when you have a baby. But it, for me, it actually did calm me down to know that like, I will have a life to myself again someday and it's yeah. not going to be like this forever. So yeah, I love that. So many things. But when you're living in it, I'm sure moms, dads, caregivers, 20 years from now, will get in the same thing and you mm -hmm. can't help it. So it's so much easier said than done. But if you can give yourself just even an extra percent of you're doing a great job, let it go. That will not change the outcome, right? To de-stress, do so. Exactly. You're, everyone is doing a phenomenal job and the best that they can. And this is hard. It is really hard. Yeah. Amen. Thank you so much, Katie. Thank <laughs> you, Rachel. It, but worth it. But worth it. Okay, yes. Oh, worth it. Worth it. Worth it. We love them so much. They are worth everything and more. But yes. Thank you so much, Rachel. Have Thanks, a Katie. Great day. You too. This episode has been brought to you by Once Upon a Farm, the leading baby food and kids snack brand. Try out their pouches and now their new bars, which are delicious. They are filling, naturally sweet, and mess free. And they're always organic and non-GMO project verified. Use code no one told us to get 40% off your order of subscription or a one-time purchase at onceuponafarmorganics.com. That's onceuponafarmorganics.com. See you next time. When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips.